All right, guys, what's going on? We are here with the Fantastic Four. So we call ourselves that. We got Sam. We all know who Sam is. Sam is one of the most best and worst people to talk to because he's going to irritate you. Worse, excuse me. (laughs) Best and worst because he will irritate you with some of his takes, but at the same time, he'll get the best banter. And honestly, he's just a great dude overall. You know what I'm saying? We have Austin. You guys know Austin. What, fifth time being on the pod? is he, He's a regular at this point. It feels like you're always here every month. So happy to have you back. And then newcomer, new arrival to the podcast. We have Jordan, Jordan Leonard, another Syracuse Newhouse guy. Um, Brooklyn Nets fan, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, I think that's why I have been on the pod. You guys don't like the Brooklyn Nets. Hey, man, I'm a New Yorker. I mean, man. who does? <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're a Celtics fan. Yeah, but you know, I I always gotta I, I give love to the the Knicks and Nets when they do good. But you know, Celtics at heart, Celtics at heart. <laughs> but yeah, man, happy to have you on. Happy to have all of you guys on. A little Christmas special here. Been trying to get this in the works for a while because you know, Christmas season, you know, bring people together, and that's always been the big thing. So you know, bring us together, talk about NBA basketball, the my favorite sport. I don't know what you guys know. We got some NFL fans in the building. I'm an NFL guy too, but. NBA is my one true passion. So, yeah, um, I just want to get straight into things that we got going on. We got a few topics, but first of all, let's talk about the Western Conference, right? You talk about New Orleans. New Orleans, let me pull this up right now, so I'm not mistaken. But if I'm not mistaken, Denver, the Denver Nuggets are, are tied with the Memphis Grizzlies. I didn't check this morning, so my apologies with that. But you have Denver, you have Memphis, you have New Orleans, you have Phoenix. Those are the top four teams. Then you have the Clippers, the Kings, but they're not really like one standout team. Like obviously in the past, we saw like Phoenix do great things, Utah, Golden State for all those years sort of separate themselves within the pack. But right now it's like everybody's sort of jumbled up in that Western Conference. Like I said before, Nuggets and Grizzlies tied for first with 19 wins, Pelicans 18, Suns with 19 wins with 13 losses. You know, it's all – sort of relatively close. So the seeding can go from someone go from one to fifth or six in a matter of a, a game. So let, let's start with Jordan on this one since you're brand new. Who do you think is the best in the West coming into this Christmas break? Well, not Christmas break, Christmas day slate. It's kind of hard because they're all jumbled up there together. New Orleans is pretty stacked. They got Zion and Brandon Ingram. I mean, you can't really count out Memphis with John Morant. But uh, the Denver Nuggets are are pretty loaded. I mean, Jamal Murray's back, back for revenge. Jokic is one of the, the deadliest big men, passing the ball, shooting the ball, can really do everything. And then, you know, under the radar, you got Bruce Brown there. Bruce Brown's that glue guy that kind of puts every team together. I know Austin's now probably shaking his head, but he was a glue guy in the Nets. He's a glue guy on, on the Nuggets. I think the way that they, um, they play, they play defense, they play offense. And, you know, I, th- I think they've, played good in the past and they haven't been able to sustain. I think this year they'll be able to sustain it because right now they have the depth where Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. are their third and fourth options, which are pretty freaking good third and fourth options for, for a team in the NBA. So I, if I had to say one, it would probably be the Denver Nuggets, even though they are number one right now. I think like in the future and, and into the playoffs, they'll be the, the number one team in the West. Yeah, you guys can just jump in. Don't You don't got to wait for me to call and just jump in whenever you got something to say. Yeah, I kind of I think with Jordan's point about the Nuggets, I've they were my they were my team to be in the West going into this season. I thought that they were going to be the team to make the finals. 
And they are tied for the one seed right now. Their home record is, or their, their, sorry, their conference record, I should say, at 15 and 7 is always something to keep an eye on because that just shows that they've, I mean, against these conference teams that in the playoffs, they've had the upper hand against these teams and they're going to keep going on with that. So I think the Nuggets are going to be pretty good out West this year. Um, obviously, I mean, they're, they're obviously the one seed. I think other teams, I think one team that I think people need to look out for, it's a team that I think people have been saying we need to look at, they need to look out for them, but people keep forgetting them. The Los Angeles Clippers at yeah. 19 and 14, only one and a half games behind the Nuggets. They both have the same amount of wins, mind you. With Kawhi Leonard and Chris, uh, excuse me, Paul George uh, doing their thing over there, I think they could be a very sneaky contender out West, especially come the playoff time. You might see them, see them as the five seed or something like that. Um, I don't necessarily know if they're going to get the one seed, but if they don't get the one seed, they're going to creep up on some teams, and I think they're going to do pretty well. And I think that could be one of the best teams out West. Yeah, this is, you can't really go with a wrong answer here right now with how jumbled up these standings are top of the West. But, you know, the team that right now I have the most confidence in being like the number one seed, I don't know if it'll, you know, have any indication on playoff runs, but I like the Grizzlies right now as the best team in the West. Um, I think Baines missed a, missed, has missed some time here, and they've been able to keep it afloat. Uh, Jared Jackson Jr. has always been that hinge player, like, hey, man, you want to go, like, 12 minutes without committing four fouls? Um, but I, they, the mentality of that team I really like, and – I know they just lost. It feels like they're bringing back the the Grind City era with that a little bit. It's a good mentality to have. Yeah, they're a confident bunch. And I really, you know, for how cocky or whatever they were last year, I it might be it might be the bigger man of saying this here. I think they gave the Warriors the best run out of anybody in the playoffs. Celtics. They did, until, they did until Ja it's, got hurt. Yeah, right. so, yeah that's fair. And well, they, they gave the best run by Austin. Do, do they have enough depth if Ja got hurt again? Because that's like one thing. If you're hinging on Ja being a hundred percent playing out of his mind, then like they're well, not. That was one of the things the that they overall. had last year. Is when Ja went down. I think there were some stats that the Grizzlies were better. Yeah, had a better they were, record. They were, they were actually like marginally better. Regular season. I mean, look. It was, it was obviously if Ja goes down. It's not going to be a good thing. But Bane's Bane's shown that he has developed his point guard skills in the NBA to a level where at least the Grizzlies' offense will be respectable without Bane Ja. Is an all star. So yeah, he's only played twelve. He's only played twelve games. Ah, forget that. He's an all star in my book. He might not get oh. it because of the injuries, but he's an all star player, all star caliber player for sure. Yeah, actually, that's it's a good distinction between all star and all star caliber because you know, in you know, injuries <laughs> could be a tiebreaker with this stuff. But you know, I like the Nuggets as a postseason team. I like the Pelicans, obviously the Clippers, but. Right now, for regular season action, I think the Grizzlies are the safest bet to get there as a number one seed. All honestly good options. I'm a guy, you know, Phoenix, that was sort of the team that stood out to me. Yes, the they hottie, had, like, you are married to the Suns. Every yeah, time. I know. Yes, I've been say. saying this for a while now. You guys know this. I've been saying this for a while. You know, He's maybe. Just the... He was just hoping, waiting for the Nets to trade Kevin Durant to him. <laughs> no, I, I honestly didn't I think that trade was going through just because, like, all the pieces that they would have had to give up. I think it was, like, eight in Macau Bridges and, like, yeah. Cam Johnson, like, a bunch of picks. It, it, was, it was some ridiculous numbers. I mean, Brooklyn was never going to trade Kevin Durant, I don't think. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, like, maybe just I'm a big Chris Paul fan. I love Chris Paul, but you know, the team they went to the finals. Um, what two years ago now was it? They went to the finals. They know how what it takes to get there. They've lost a little bit of depth since that last finals run. But Devin Booker, like last week, he dropped 58. He's a guy who dropped 70 in what second season. Like he's a guy that could score. Yes, playoff defense is another animal. But, you know, top 10 team on offense and defense usually means you're going to be a good threat to make it deep in the playoffs, maybe even make the finals. And I just trust Devin Booker. Uh, Chris Paul, he's getting old in the stats show. I think he's averaging under like 10 points for the first time in his career, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But, you know, he's old. DeAndre Ayton, he's number one pick. You know, he's a double-double guy, but he's not really giving you those like crazy numbers that you sort of thought out of Arizona. Macau Bridges, he's improved. All these guys are guys that I trust in a playoff series. I really do. Minus campaign off the bench. I don't know. Campaign. I like the OKC <laughs> with Russell Westwood. I like the little handshakes they got going on, but maybe not him in a playoff series. They still have that weird Jay Crowder situation where, you know, he's there, but he's not really there. Are you going to trade him, flip him to a contender? I don't know what they're doing with that. But, you know, Phoenix, I trust them the most. And you talk about experience. Who in that top five that we mentioned – well, he has the most experience. None of them had went to the finals. Um, the Clippers made it to the conference finals. I know the Grizzlies sort of have that sort of chip on their shoulder, like you mentioned. But I don't know. I think the Suns probably the safest bet for arguably, me. Arguably, the Clippers probably have the most experience of that. Top I was gonna say six, but for me, with the Suns, like I trust Monty Williams. But oh yeah, and him. Can Devin can Devin Booker keep up twenty eight points a game? Chris Paul is doing. He's not scoring as much, but he's averaging like nine assists per game, which is crazy. Um, even in the NBA, averaging almost double-double at the assists is insane. My thing is is Devin Booker, I have trust in. DeAndre Ayn's going to get his just because of how big he is and physically dominant. Is Ken McHale Bridges and Cam Johnson get it done if they – like because the defense is going to focus on taking Devin Booker out of the game. Yeah. So can Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson step up as that number one option when they need to um, come down the stretch? That's what I, at least that's what I'm worried about with the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, I'm I was also going to say the, about the Clippers. Um, Ty Leonard is a two-time NBA champion. I don't think you can count that out for it feels like ten years and ago. I think, yeah, ten years ago because he hasn't played, man. Wait, I won with the Raptors that. a couple years ago, but it feels I mean, like ten years ago. Guys, <laughs> but at the same time, I don't think you can discredit him for that. And that's a guy who, come playoff time, when healthy a player that I do not want to face if I'm any team, oh, especially yeah. if team like Phoenix in 2014, Kawhi took that Spurs team to the champion to the championship 2017. We Tim Duncan retire. We think it's a new era in San Antonio. They end up being the two seed and almost being the Warriors in game one before the Warriors swept them and Kawhi went down, not an intentional injury, not intentional injury, by the way, during the play by Zaza Pachulia, uh, but 2019, Nineteen, the the Raptors out of nowhere. Everyone, no one really. I don't think people really took them too seriously in the playoffs, and they come in and just wreck the playoffs. And I think you cannot discredit that from any Kawhi Leonard team. Um, I just want to point that out there. And I think that's one thing. Oh, Paul where, George is on the team, right? Too. Yeah, he's pretty good. George is on that team too. <laughs> um, I I know we I know there's um the the whole playoff P pandemic P whatever you want to call it. Um. He's been pretty was good last year, right? Yeah. Last year, last year actually, he was great. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's why I think this Clippers team is one of the most experienced teams 
um, with two superstars on that team, two veteran superstars, that's always key to have if you want to make a deep playoff run. Yeah, the Kawhi thing is interesting because he's almost – I almost view him as like a bear in hibernation. It's like when you get <laughs> up, are you going to be like rejuvenated, ready to go, playing full minutes, or are you going to go back into that slumber if your team's down 2-1? Probably not, but, you know, it's a bunch of speculation. So, honey, I, I, I just don't see eye to eye with you with, with the Suns, man. Yeah. I I just – I don't feel comfortable with them. I, I really think the teams aren't – 5-9 and nine on the road. Yeah, that up? road record is pretty five and nine on the road. Yes, they are five and nine on the road. Um, I, I just don't think teams are scared of them in the same way that they used to be. I think that Booker is the only true like off the dribble scoring threat. I know Bridges in, in some instances can be that guy, but the the Paul thing we've seen it time and time again. An aging small point guard. Doesn't work. You you know I'm in that camp. You know I'm in that camp. And like, and what are you gonna do? Oh, let's save the season. Landry Shamit, save us. No, Landry Shamit can hit threes. Relax. He does his job. (laughs) Former net, of course. (laughs) Like, I just we've seen this team. We've seen like they were a fun story two years ago. And I might, you know, this might just be the media narrative I'm building up. But like, I we saw they got exposed last year. By by Luka Doncic, pretty much in particular, like mm. there's just all these other teams have gotten better from when that two years ago mark was. The Pelicans have got better. The Grizzlies have gotten better. The Nuggets have gotten better. The Clippers, you know, still beat it to be determined. Like they pretty much stayed the same. I, I just I don't see it with them. Yeah, and credit to the Grizzlies, my dude. Can we just talk about that rebuild transformation that? sort of took place in, like, the, what, late 2010s? Before it was, like, Grant and Grind, you know, Mark Gasol, uh, Mike Conley, Zach Randolph, and they were perennial uh, playoff team. I think they made the conference finals once during that stretch, but them just sort of, sort of tear it down into what they have today. They drafted amazingly, and honestly, I didn't pick the Grizzlies to come out the West, but if they did, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Um, Honestly, Josh stays healthy. They can make a real deep run. They can make an extremely deep run because that's just how talented they really are. I think one day Memphis will make the finals. I don't know if it's going to be this year or next year or maybe three years down the line, but I think this Memphis team is destined for success, I, I and I like the way this team got put together. This year is probably might be the year. I mean, last year they ran into Golden State. Golden State's not really the same this year. I know they're not playing with um, Steph, Clay, and Andrew Wiggins at the moment, but Anytime you're three and sixteen away from home, no matter at what point in the season it is, and you lose to the Nets by forty, they like the 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 last year there was a clear cut best team in the West. This year there's not as much. So I think that's why mm-hmm. the Grizzlies have a really good shot of making it um, because they kind of play they play well on both sides of the ball and they have that young talent that kind of goes in with that fearless mentality. Yeah, let's say on the Warriors for a second. Um, Sam, this is your territory. Uh, you know this. <laughs> <laughs> For real, I'm, I'm not even trying to do anything, but like this current iteration of the Warriors, right? Seth, Clay, Draymond, I guess now throw Wiggins in there, right? Looney. Do you think they're ever going to make it back to the NBA Finals? Like with this current iteration of the Warriors? With this current iteration of the Warriors, Meaning I don't like think this, the Steph, Clay, Dre era. That's what I'm going to say. I, I don't think they're making it back. And I, I said this at the beginning of the season. I think the Warriors will contend. But I think the other teams out West are getting better, and that's why they're not going to make it. Now, this year, 
The Warriors are sitting at 15 and 18. I understand that they've dealt with some injuries, but the bench is not. I think the one key thing about this season is the Warriors bench is not what the Warriors thought it was going to be. I think the losses of Gary Payton Jr. and Otto Porter have been significantly worse than the Warriors expected. DiVincenzo has been okay. Jamichael Green is not the player we thought he was going to be. I think a lot of people thought he was going to be a key player for this Warriors team. And the Warriors ended up, they wanted to use him as kind of filling that Otto Porter role, but he's not Otto Porter. He's Jamichael Green, and he plays a lot differently than Otto Porter. Um, well, Otto Porter is a bit more of a three and a D player. Jamichael Green is really an offensive-minded four. Yeah, this is a three. Um, exactly. So you don't really you don't really see that, and I think that's really killed the Warriors. Um, the whole Wiseman situation has been a bit iffy. I think I think that James Wiseman, if I'm going to be upset if they keep sending him down to Santa Cruz, he should stay at the NBA level. Career high in points last night with 30. That was really nice to see. Um, I know they were getting blown out and he was kind of playing in garbage time, but still, I think the Warriors, I mean, you have to keep competing because I never say never. You can't doubt Steph. You can't doubt Clay. I thought, if I'm being completely honest, I thought Memphis was going to beat us last year. They ended up not. That That's when I knew that this is the Warriors championship. Obviously, it happened. Sorry, Austin and Dahani, but um, I think any, I think this Warriors team, I don't see them making it back, but never say never. They have to keep competing. It's crazy that they're only five and a half games back of the number one seed. Like, for all the struggles that we've, you know, chronicled about them, and it's really been that, that road record in the bench. Um, yeah, Sam touched on the two key points there. The bench is... Watch off. the Warriors. Or go ahead. Yeah, like, in the classic, like, Warriors championship teams, the starters come out. It's like, whew, okay, this is good. No, the second unit has like an identity of its own, and then they just carry the weight, and then Steph returns, and you're like, oh my god, we have no break here. We, it's like, there's no holes in this team. Now it's like, yeah, there are holes in this team. I know when the Celtics played him, it didn't look like that. Of course, Steph was healthy then, and he's a cheat code. But like, they're gonna have to somehow survive this this Steph absence and. It's gonna be crazy if they are if they get into that play-in situation because then it's like one seed, two seed doesn't want any part of them, unless you're the Memphis Grizzlies, in which case they'll say we want all that smoke and yada yada. But yeah, I'm I'm really shocked that they're below 500 at this point in the season. I think I think I was gonna say interrupt you. I feel like that at some point in the season, watch the Warriors just hit a hot streak. They they become unstoppable and then they just cruise to some good prime playoff position and then everyone's gonna, gonna be like they're the team to beat then it's only gonna happen if they're fully healthy because they don't have anybody other than the top four with curry wiggins pool and thompson there's no scores i mean draymond doesn't score wiseman's barely there kuminga doesn't score to the extent that they hoped looney's like six points per game kind of like typical center so i mean especially when you have the three out like they did last night you're gonna get beat by 40 but um, or was it twenty or thirty, whatever? It was down thirty. Yeah, it was something. They're bad. down. They're I, down by forty at halftime. But I think the Warriors. 90, by the way, ninety-one points in the first half for Brooklyn. That's unheard of. Well, so I was about to say. I mean, the Warriors last year played good defense for the most part. That's yeah. like part of the reason why they made it to the finals. They played pretty decent defense comparatively to how good they were on offense this year. They have been absolute garbage on defense for the most part. Yeah, that's what it's I want. Non-existent. Yeah, um, twenty eighth in the deep, I think defensive rating right now or points per game. 
allowed. I think they're like at 118, 28th in the league. Compared to their offense, which is actually top 10 offense. Contrary to what you were saying about like they only have so many scores, or Steph is I think Steph is still around 30 a night, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't checked in a while. Well, obviously he's out now, but 30 a night. Clay also give you buckets here and there. Andrew Wiggins, one of the most underrated um forwards in the league. Um, I, I love Andrew Wiggins just because of what he provides as a non-star, but like he gives you star moments at times on the defensive end. Uh, me and also know all too much about that, unfortunately, but Wiggins is great. But yeah, they, they can't hold a candle to anybody on defense. But you saw it 91 to 51. That was just and then, AD only had 21 of those points. Yeah, and like I mentioned, Kyrie wasn't even there. Like I, I thought Kyrie was there. And I was like, okay. Nope. So no Kyrie, because Kyrie can go off for like 40 and a half. We've seen it. But yeah. you know, that's it is what it is with the Warriors. I think that this iteration probably won't make it back just because, you know, aging superstars. Draymond might be on his way out. I think we sort of forgot what that that punch was like early in the season. Like, I'm not gonna say like that sort of derailed the entire season, but there's a strong argument that it did. Well, and, and I know. think I think based on last night, we just saw Jordan Poole, I think, what, shot three of 16 or so, something really bad, where I think we're realizing that Jordan Poole is not, a, not nearly close to being ready to be a number one or even number two guy on any roster. So it would be interesting to see if the – did the Warriors extend him? They did. They extended did? him, and I believe they extended both him and Draymond. Did okay, they well, extend Draymond too? I'll have to double check that. Oh no, sorry, it was Wig it was Wiggins. Not, yeah, it was like, Wiggins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wiggins was like a well, I think Wiggins was a restricted free agent, if I'm not mistaken. At least I thought he was. He was unrestricted, I believe. But he they was. extended him. Well, Jordan Poole is not ready to be a number one or two guy. He needs he needs other guys around him. I love that agenda from Jordan. I love that anti Jordan Poole agenda. He's a good <laughs> player, but we saw what he is, you know, away from the, the circus that is Steph Curry. And by the way, to that Draymond point, Draymond's value absolutely plummets without Curry. So um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of role he plays over these next three weeks. He's yeah, and Draymond's never been a number one guy. So I think he's still not the number one guy. To be fair, if, if, if Wiggins, Curry, and Thompson are not playing at a game, Jordan Poole is, a, is your top scorer comparatively to Draymond. Draymond hasn't been even a, a number three scorer in like four years. At this point, probably a little bit more than that. Play defense. Yeah, um, let's switch on over from the west to the to the east coast, the the best coast. Sorry, sorry, Sam. Even though yes, I love <laughs> east coast is the best coast. Doesn't rhyme, but it works out. Um, let's go to New York, right? The the Knicks and the Nets. Um, currently in the playoff race, which the Nets, you know, early on in the season, it was kind of a dumpster fire. We saw what happened. With Steve Nash, um, enjoyed. I'll let you get in on this first. Um, you know, Steve Nash leaves, get um, Jock Vaughn as the coach, and then from there, it's like, okay, Kyrie has his whole debacle. Kyrie comes back, and slowly but surely, you know, the Nets sort of came out of the basement of the East now 20 and 12 for the fourth place spot in the East, nine and one over the last 10 games with a seven game win streak, and then the Knicks. They're doing pretty good themselves, you know, at that six seed spot, 18 and 14, um, eight and two out of their last 10. The Knicks, who honestly, they're a team. Uh, I'm just speaking as a native New Yorker here, not a Celtics fan, not an NTI, native New Yorker. You know, people in the city want them to do well more than the Nets. 
The Nets, they're they're Jersey to most New Yorkers, if I'm being completely honest. Well, Jersey to me. Yeah. They should have moved. Yeah. <laughs> they, abandoned, <laughs> they abandoned New Jersey. New now York, we're stuck with only the Devils. New York is a Knicks town. It will always be a Knicks town. And when the Knicks do good, you know, the, the city is ablaze, especially during playoff time. I remember that playoff series, that first round playoff series when they made the playoffs for the first time in however many years. Like, it was electric in the city. And me personally, a four or five matchup between the Knicks and the Nets, that would be awesome to see. Wow. Uh, I don't care who won, wins that, but that definitely can Did be. Did you a- see what KD said uh, yesterday after the game? He said, "He said, I, I wish we were playing the Knicks on Christmas. Um, yeah, and then he said, would- uh, they probably didn't put us on Christmas because of what I did over the summer. And I was like, yeah, they definitely didn't put us on Christmas because they didn't know who we left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but just going into this, Jordan, do you think like this – sort of run for both of these teams. You think it's legitimate, especially for the Nets, because they have the talent. They've always had the talent, but do you think they'll it'll amount to anything? I think it's legitimate. I'll go for the Nets first. I think it's legitimate yeah. for the Nets because they finally have a competent coach. I mean, dating back to when Steve Nash was hired, nobody like understood why he was the one who was picked because he never had coached before. I know he was a good player, but you know, there's just it's like you're not gonna be you're not necessarily gonna be I mean, yes, there's an exception, but there's no, you're not going to be good going into a new profession without having to actually done it before. Playing and coaching are two different things. Uh, that's why I think Jacques Vaughn brings the Nets, brings leadership and actually knowing how to coach, making adjustments, drawing up plays and all of that stuff, where it took a little bit for it to kind of sink in. And now I think that's where it's kind of synced in, where they won seven straight. I'm not going to really touch the Kyrie stuff because that's whatever it was. Yesterday was a great night where Kyrie wasn't playing and we still won by 40. Um, But I think the Nets have, they have the depth. I mean, Ben Simmons is not, he's we're we're paying him a lot of money, but he's he's not going to be a guy scoring 30. So, but he's doing his job. He's, he's scoring like 10 ish a game. He's dishing out assists. He's getting rebounds. He's playing defense. And it's quiet. That that's what I've noticed over the last couple of weeks. Is I, I sometimes I struggle to watch the games to, depending on what we're doing on campus. But it's it's a quiet seven game win streak, which is finally nice because we've had two years of controversy or and everything when regards to James Harden and Kyrie and all that. It's finally nice to have a quiet winning streak going. Um, and you know, watch out, Celtics. We're only two games back. Um, but. In regard in regards to the Knicks, um, I think it's legit. I mean, they're cheaters because they tampered with Jalen Brunson. Uh, that, that happens every year for every team. Don't even do that. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but they're gonna have to. They're uh, for me personally, they don't have enough on the offensive side where they're gonna be able to outscore teams. I think they're gonna have to play defense to win games first, um, because they have they have like a like good guys. They have Julius Randle, Brunson, R.J. Barrett, but they don't have that go-to score like a KD or a Kyrie where you can get and they can score like 12 straight when needed yeah. um so I think they're gonna have to play more defense Actually, can I introduce you to a man named Quentin Grimes yeah Quentin Grimes. I know, I like Quentin. he's good but he's not gonna take over a game he's not gonna he's not gonna take Jason Tatum one-on-one on back-to-back possessions and have a, a high percentage chance of scoring the Knicks always pick up like some of my favorite like college guards like Quentin Grimes, uh, Miles McBride. Kevin Knox was good too back when he played. A lot of good guys. Um, for me, you know, Jalen Brunson coming over from Dallas, I thought that was an interesting signing at the time, just because, you know, small guards. Um, yes, Jalen Brunson, he's about like six one, six two. He he showed he could score in big moments in the playoffs. 
But, you know, just like for New York, you're not really looking for like that B tier star. You're looking for that A tier star. So when the Donovan Mitchell rumor started churning, I was like, okay, this is interesting. But then I hear reports that they don't want to give up certain picks and, you know, RJ Barrett. If I were in the seat of who is it, Leon Rose, all those guys in the front office, I would have done it um, simply because getting a star in the garden first time since Carmelo Anthony, that would have been huge, but and he's Donovan not there. Say that Donovan again. Mitchell's, Donovan Mitchell's dominant enough where he could have easily traded RJ Barrett. Oh yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah. There's that number one score for you right there. He's done in Utah for however many years he was there. But, you know, this next team, again, four or five matchup, Knicks, Nets, I, I want to see it. I think that would be a really competitive series. It wouldn't be as Nets heavy as you might think. Just because the Knicks, they can get down and defend. You know, Tom Thibodeau, you know his track record. He can definitely get some guys to defend. So, it's... interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, you know, maybe I can't speak to the Mitchell part of it, Dahani, but mm-hmm. – it almost feels like a better version of two years ago for the Knicks, where it was a lovable team with a cast of misfit toys. And now those misfit toys are just better than what they were. And uh, and a lot of Knicks fans were like, oh, hum diddly do. It's going to be another average purgatory year for the Knicks. And now they've strung together these wins. I know that they lost the other night, but it's. They're still like average. They're 18 and 14. It's not like anything crazy. But the, what they went on a seven game winning streak or something, so there yeah. is palpable buzz surrounding the Knicks right now. That's and... the only reason they're above five hundred. Mm-hmm. Went on a seven game win streak. Celtics wouldn't be where they were if where they are without you know when we won like sixteen out of eighteen or whatever it was. So you know, I I like I like how Tibbs has played more of these younger guys, particularly Grimes, where. I pull up, pulled up his stats here. His last 15 games, he's played 32 minutes per game, 11 points per game, nearly 40% from beyond the arc. Mm. And it's kind of one of those things where, like, hey, Evan Fournier, you're just not going to play anymore, buddy. I should have done this a long time ago. My name is but Fournier, you're not going to play. Rose, you know, you're my guy, but you're going to have to take a back seat to, to these young guys. So it's a fun team. I know there's been some concern with Barrett and whether he's a good shot maker or not, but, you know, obviously they don't have the star power, but at least it's a fun team. Shooting-wise, he's not really good from three. RJ Barrett just 30%. At all. That's that's not even yeah, – yeah. watch the games, 30% feels like a, a compliment. He's just <laughs> not a shooter at all. He's a scorer. He can score, but not a shooter in any capacity. Oh, yeah. I think Isaiah quickly is a key guard on that team. I mean, he's young. He's averaging about 10 points a game. Emmanuel? Yeah. Emmanuel. Yeah, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. I think you're thinking of um, – think of the, he, Doesn't he have a brother? Isaiah on the Knicks recently. I forget who it was. Hmm. Anyways. Well, Emmanuel quickly is uh, – I think could be a key guard because, they ha- again, that like I kind of agree with Austin. They have a bunch of like – I don't agree with the misfit toys, but they have a bunch of guys just like not – they have to have a bunch of guys to win. They can't have like Jalen, um, Julius Randle, excuse me, Jalen Brunson and RJ Barrett. They have to have more than just that because those guys collectively are, are equivalent to like a star and a half, but yeah, it's individually not. Yeah. And like when you look at the East, right, you talk about like Giannis and Chris Middleton. You're taking both of those guys, even Drew Holiday over anybody on the Knicks. Celtics, Jalen Brown, 
Jason Tatum, maybe Marcus Smart, put them ahead of um both Brunson and Randall. Cleveland, same thing with Garland and uh, Mitchell. You go down the list. The Knicks, six seems about right for them. I'm looking at the standings right now. Heat at seven. The Heat at 500 right now. You know, the Heat don't they didn't really... get anyone in the offseason. They didn't get yeah, they struggle. They don't scare anybody at this point, although Jimmy Butler is a real real playoff type of dude. But outside of that, Kyle Lowry. I feel like they didn't, they've never really scared anyone. I feel like they've just been a good team, but they're a team that can't really get over a hump. That's how I've always looked at Miami. Well, they're they're a team that's always been good because their coaching with their expulsure has always been good. Yeah. Yeah, we've had our battles with them in the Eastern Conference Finals in both the bubble and this past season. And I, yeah. I took them seriously when we were in the thick of it. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Only when you're in the thick of it, though, Austin. Butler is just one of those sleeping giants, almost like Kawhi, where he just comes alive when, when the games are when the games matter more. Yeah, I mean, can't really disagree. I, I, yeah, I mean, if you look at the teams, I feel like in the East over the last couple of years, and especially this year, you got to look at each team and it's like, who's going to guard Giannis? And then go from there. If like Ben Simmons and KD can guard Giannis on Brooklyn, now how oh, wow. effectively? Are we saying, are how, we saying how, how effectively? How effectively? Two BD, TBD. But like, who do the next, like Julius Randle's going to guard Giannis? Come on. Isaiah Hartenstein would put up a good fight. Isaiah Hartenstein is a gem on the Knicks. He is a really good center. He is a really good center. I've seen him in person. He's like not not a starter level, but like as a rotation guy in a playoff series, he's solid. And uh, that Ben Simmons thing, no shot. Ben Simmons is guarding Giannis. That's coming from a guy that said Ben Simmons was my defensive player of the year. Why not? Earlier in the year. I remember they played earlier this year. I remember Giannis. He he hadn't played basketball in like two years. Okay, you know what? You got it, Jordan. You got it. I'm not gonna do that to Ben Simmons. They I'm play the Bucks this. on Friday. They play the Bucks on Friday. Actually, they play them tomorrow. Okay. All right. I'll be tuning in. I'll be tuning in to watch that matchup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, let's head over to Cleveland. Um, third seed in the Eastern Conference right now. I mentioned Donovan Mitchell before. Obviously, you know Darius Garland. This team, they're weird to me in the sense that they're third seed, a game back of the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. They have. All the requisite parts, you'd say, okay, Allen, Mobley, a great interior presence on defense. Got the scoring in Mitchell and Garland. You have subsequent pieces on the bench, Karis LeVert, Chetty Osman, Kevin Love, a veteran. They're number one defensively, holding opponents to 105 points per game. They have all the, the parts to say, okay, this is a finals team. This is a final contender. But somehow, some way, they just don't seem like it doesn't seem like they're going to make it to the finals now is that because Giannis is in the way Boston's in the way Austin what do you think do you think Cleveland is legit or they're just they're just another team yeah Donnie I did take I did take you know a moment or two to think about this one I I ended up leaning towards no they're not legitimate contenders and not just because FanDuel has them 11th for title odds which is a little shocking considering how the record is I just think that it's only year two of Evan Mobley. I think that's the key piece we have to focus on here when we talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers. Mobley is a guy who I think every NBA fan likes a lot, but as a championship caliber guy, you want to see him play another year or two, have another year or two under his belt before 
the Cavaliers can really contend. But the pieces that you mentioned are really strong. Maybe, you know, improve some of those bench spots. Dean Wade, Lamar Stevens, Shetty Osman. I like those guys as your six, seven, eight, but as a championship contender, you probably want to be a little bit better as your six, seven, and eight. Again, I just think of the Warriors last year, Otto Porter Jr., Gary Payton Jr. Like those are really strong off the bench guys that I don't think, you know, Wade, Stevens, and Osman are. Um with that said, the Mitchell, the Mitchell thing can't be understated. I think he's done I think the city has really um you know, been Rally. amazed with what he's yeah. been able to do, and but their home record sixteen and two—that's kind of nuts. That that's that's like a true home court advantage. I the other day I actually I I rewatched some of that Eastern Conference Finals Game Six when it was a rookie a, a Tatum for a, a little uh, play-by-play tape, and just mm-hmm. the atmosphere there it, at Quicken Loans Arena is off the charts. So. I say let this team, let this roster marinate for another year or two, and then they'll strike and be a legitimate contender. I I think they're they're a championship contender, meaning they have to win the Eastern Conference to get the championship, obviously, because they have the best backcourt in the Eastern Conference. I mean, what other backcourt can stand next to Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland and actually compete with them? I'll say I'll say the Hawks backcourt, although they have they've been underachieving. I don't think the Hawks backcourt is going to. I think the Hawks could compete maybe. with them. I feel like uh, my thing with the Hawks is the backcourt's great, but the rest of the team is not as great as what the Cavs have going for them. And I'll let Jordan continue before I share my two cents as yeah, well. Go for it. Well, so I think the backcourt is, is where they're going to have to run their offense through. I, I agree with Austin. I think Evan Mobley's one one year out from being developing into that third really like kind of star option. Um, but I think it's going to have to go through the backcourt, and I think they have to use Jared Allen more on offense. I mean, he's scoring only 14 points a game. He, I think just his ability to defend the rim on the other side, they need to get him more involved on the offensive side because he can be a dominant big man in the Eastern Conference. They just need to kind of run more plays, kind of develop part of their offensive scheme towards that. And I think they do that and run the offense through those two guards interchangeably. I think that's what can make them a, a championship contender. Yeah, I think with the whole thing with Cleveland is I think they have the team. They don't have the experience yet, and that's why I don't think they'll make the finals this year. I think you're I think right now the two teams, the three teams I think have a chance of making the finals are the Bucks, the Celtics, and the 76ers. Um and I Not think the 76ers, are you Not serious? Serious. I think the Sixers team could surprise people coming to playoffs. Mm. Do you watch the Eastern After- Conference? I, 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 18 and 12 is a solid team. Not saying they're not a solid team, but James Harden in the postseason is terrible. I was terrible last year. He was terrible last year. I think I, you know, I'm not the biggest James Harden fan, but I don't think you can ever count him out along with Joel Embiid on his side. No, but I, I actually will count out James Harden. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I actually. I I I, I went with a couple of buddies to our high school the other day. We we talked to some of our former teachers, and we went we talked to our our stats teacher, and he brought up how I did a stats project about James Harden in elimination games is one of the worst players of all time compared to to his skill level. You you mentioned Sam last year; he was good. He's never good in the playoffs. 
it's Embiid's team, and we've seen all the time, like, Tobias Harris, good player, not great. Tyrese Maxey, he's a guy who you can build on, but these other guys just – they don't have the they don't have the bench. I thought they would have the bench. play well in the postseason either. At least any time that he's played the Nets especially, Tobias Harris has played garbage. He's one of the most – he ever since he signed that max worst contract in the league, one of the worst contracts in the league. Oh no, he he does have a really bad contract, I will say. But nevertheless, I think the 76ers are a solid, solid and experienced team, and that's what you really need to make a deep playoff one. But run, but back to the Cavs. I think there's a Cavs team that can contend. I just think teams are gonna beat them, especially Boston and Milwaukee. Sixers, I think. In a seven-game series, I think Philadelphia would have the upper hand, but it's going to be close between those two. Uh, I like where this Cleveland team is heading, though. I think a few years from now, this Cleveland team will be a front-runner for the Eastern Conference year after year with what they have going on right now with Garland, with Donovan Mitchell, with Evan Mobley. They got Evan Mobley has not been extended, if I'm correct, right? No, not yet. He's drafted like two years No, yeah, but he has another year, so if they can extend Evan Mobley. So I think that, that's a – Jared Allen, mind you. The, by the way, Jordan, that's, that, that is becoming one of the worst I, – I, I still don't understand why they went with DeAndre Jordan instead of Jared Allen. I know it was to please KD, but that's, that's looking like a big reason. mistake. He's, that was the only reason. <laughs> it's just, apparently, apparently it's no, that, some things just come back to bite you, and I think Jared Allen is one of my – he's been one of my favorite players ever since bite. he's entered this league. Come back to bite us. I mean, the Nets – Jared Allen is better – I mean, Jared yes, Allen is yes. helping the Jared Cavs Allen out. is better. If you ask any Nets fan, when we included Jared Allen in the trade for James Harden, that was the one player we're like, don't include it in the trade. I could care less about Karis Levert. I could care less about Spencer Dinwiddie. I could like any of them. Jared Allen was the one guy that we didn't want to include. We included him. It sucked. But it's not like the Nets have been bad. They started out bad this season. The Nets in their history, except for like the Jason Kidd era in the early 2000s, like they're not, they haven't been that good consistently. So, I mean, for the Nets, as long as they're good consistently, you didn't lose the trade, especially when you have that trade with the Celtics, which is just was so bad. Like you can't get any worse or even close to that if you're a Nets fan, if you're 20 and 12. So, yes, I mean, Jared Allen is better. Don't get me wrong. It's clear and obvious, but still, I mean, still not bad, bad trade. Fair enough. But point like with all that said, I think Cleveland, as I've been saying, I think they will give people a run for their money in the East. I think they will get past the first round. I think that second round series, whoever they play, is gonna really halt them. If it's if it's a if it's if it's like a Cleveland and Philadelphia, then I think they can really give Philly a run for their money. But if it's it's if, if they're playing Boston or Milwaukee, I think that's where the trail ends. Yeah, so coming into this season, Milwaukee. I mean, a better chance of beating Boston than Milwaukee. Um, Boston has lost twice to Cleveland, both overtime losses. If I'm not mistaken. (laughs) Austin made that. Austin made that very clear to me. Yeah, so two losses when when they played the Warriors. Austin was like, "Oh, it's it's Boston's first non-overtime loss." Against the Bulls, and he kept yep. making it clear to me how Cleveland was beat them twice. And I'm like, Austin, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, perfect segue. And talking about the Celtics now, I mean, you talk about the heights at which they were at early in the season, clearing by far the best team in the league in the power rankings, number one spot for like five or six. I don't even know if we've been five this week. A lot of weeks they've been at the top of the um top of the league. Now lost three straight. Four and six in their last 10. 
losing to the Magic twice. One was without Tatum. Yeah, sure. Say that, whatever you want. But this team is way too good um, talent-wise. I'm going to say here once again, Tatum's the MVP. We can discuss that right now if you want. Um, Tatum's MVP. Um, 61 season, maybe. Eh. After those few losses, I'm not so sure if we'll get to 60 wins. Still can happen. But uh, the Celtics sort of just lie down and let the – they lost to the Pacers last night. You know, Pacers, they're good. Tyrese Halliburton's a great player. But you shouldn't lose, especially when Tatum has 40. They were down 30 in that game. So well, it's trust just – yeah. Yeah, it's, it's embarrassing, honestly, as a Celtics fan. As an NBA fan, you look at the top team in the East. Why are you losing these type of games? And, you know, any given game, sure, you can be beat. But this Celtics team has aspirations of getting back to the finals, bare minimum, this year, if not winning the whole thing. So, you know, sort of a, a rough patch, a, a rough patch here. Oh, for sure, a rough patch. And, you know, I began this. We've lost five of our last six. We, the Celtics, have lost five of the last six. And I began the losing streak, you know, being like, you know, any any all-time great team goes through a rough patch. You don't want to peak in December. All-time so, great team, Austin. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, we'll wait wait till I finish. We're no longer an all-time great team. I know I mentioned that when we were at the, the Rossman Gifford Zoo a few weeks ago. But, um, <laughs> but look, the the curse of the zoo is that what we're calling it? When we Maybe. saw Tony the Tiger, it, it went all downhill for the Celtics. So, <laughs> um, look, it's a team that in getting embarrassed by by the Clippers, ugh, bad sign there. We always c- compete with them. Come back, uh, that crazy Lakers game. Glad to see Tatum step up in the big moments. But you get back to Boston off the road trip. And you got these two games against the Magic. Now, because of, you know, the campus stuff we do and, and other stuff that came up on Sunday, I did not I did not get an opportunity to watch these two games against the Magic. So in my mind, I didn't watch them. They don't count. They don't matter. Whatever. They don't count? Are you serious? <laughs> As a fan, they don't count. So I sat down yesterday. I was very interested to see how we will respond against the Pacers, who were a solid team. The first half was one of the ugliest performances I've seen. Not the ugliest. Definitely not the ugliest. You clearly weren't watching the Nets-Warriors game the same night. (laughs) Clearly not. I had my eyes glued to what was going on at the TD Garden. And you would have thought the Pacers were the greatest team of all time because the Celtics just weren't taking them seriously defensively. You just drive kick, drive kick, three-pointer, offensive rebound after offensive rebound for the Pacers. Just a lack of urgency defensively. And then offensively that first half, Ball watching. Oh, let's watch Jalen Brown take 16 dribbles for a step back, you know, or it's like one pass, not multiple passes in this league. You need multiple efforts to be good. That's what was working for the Celtics so much earlier in the season, multiple driving kicks, getting good shots. That was not happening in the first half. Second half was a classic old school Celtics game. They make a comeback, you know, and they ultimately lose by two possessions because Duarte, this fuck, this this dude Duarte, great player, like, great player. Who, yeah, he's a good player. He he made like three or four step back contested threes, one over Tatum to end the third quarter off the backboard. And he was making tough shots, and and the, and then Phil Pritchard had a layup, he had a layup, and he missed it. And then Halliburton goes the other way, sticks a three to go up by ten dagger. So it's it was just frustrating to see how the Celtics missed point blank layups, lack of urgency defensively in the first half and lack of ball movement in the first half. Obviously, Tatum was huge. He had the eye to the Tiger in his in that whole second half. 
he was by far the best player on the court. He was spinning through like four defenders in the fast break, getting to the line. He was super impressive. But man, Missoula, take some timeouts earlier. Get these te- get get your guys ready to play out of the gate. Sorry for that long minute rant. Austin has a, Austin <laughs> has a negative comment to Jimmy to to Maz Joey Maz. I do. Yep, I know oh. the honeymoon's over with me and Joey Maz. Before I let you. Said the honeymoon. The honeymoon. The Sam and Jordan, before I let you go, I just want to put this into perspective. The Celtics first quarter against Indiana gave up 42 points. When was the last time you could say that with this Boston Celtics team? Like let's say last two years. That's hard oh, to do against the Celtics team. Yeah, because oh, they've yeah. been stellar last year. Defensively, this year they've been middle of the pack, sort of in that 20th range. Offensively, they've been outstanding. I saw a stat. They were, like, one of the best offenses in NBA history because of their three-point shooting. They had, like, four or five guys in the top ten shooting three-pointers. It was insane. But defensively, they can't hold the candle. They were sort of in that Golden State boat. Not as bad. I'm not going to do that. Not as bad as Golden State. But at the same time, you know, it's not the Boston Celtics defense that we saw last year. And that's really been why they haven't been at the top. They were great. Don't get me wrong, early in the season. But – they can't really guard. They've just been outscoring people. It's not like they've been holding people to 110 or less, 105 or less. So my question then is, because Austin going into the year was all Joey Maz, Joey Maz. Oh my God. Would you would you want Ime back right now? If you if if he was if he was eligible. So it's interesting you mentioned this. So at halftime last night. You wow. Know. Okay. So this was this is before I continue. Just for perspective for everyone listening, if we asked Austin this question a month ago, Austin would be like, "No, oh no." Austin no, was no, no, ready no. to let Ime Yadoka come to the Nets. <laughs> I didn't say that. I never you said that. You were basically ready. You were one hundred percent ready for that. You were like, "Ime could go wherever he wants to go." I, look, <laughs> I never bad. said that. I will. I I would have been upset if Yudoka went to the Nets. At halftime last night, I was like, "Can we can we investigate what Yudoka actually did here?" Because <laughs> man, like, 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 this team needs somebody. Dahani, are we allowed to swear? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> this team needs a coach to motherfuck them in the timeout. Like. <laughs> Like, get your head out of your ass. What are we doing on defense? Obviously, the second half turnaround was was encouraging, but like, man, I don't know if Missoula has really lit a fire in these guys. Like, no, Udoka they, yeah, Udoka, Udoka sort of brought something different to the table. And like, credit to Brad Stevens, that whole era that was great. Udoka came in and was like their identity. Like, yeah, you can say sure, Marcus Smart, Hard and Soul. I totally get that. But Udoka was kind of that dude, like, all right, get it in gear. Like, let's go. Like a football coach type of mentality. Yeah. Like, let's go, guys. Yeah, like, you are. yeah, you have to get into it. And I think that was one of the reasons why we sort of made that turnaround from January on. I think Udoka really just had that meeting and it was like, okay, we're better than this. Like, let's go. And I think as much as Missoula has been great this year. He has a lot of talent on the roster. He's a great coach. I'm not going to undermine him whatsoever, but I will say Udoka, I don't think some of these losses would have happened, especially on the defensive end, the way they've been playing the Celtics. I don't think it would have happened this way if Udoka was coach. So, I, I think he holds the entire team, Udoka does, to a higher standard defensively than Joey Mads. I mean, you guys are giving up more points per game than the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, defensive rating-wise, the Celtics are still sixth. 
in the league. The Nets are because they have Marcus Smart. Early like, in the season, that wasn't the case. Jason, I mean, Jason Jason Tatum can be playing a little lax at days ago. He's still one of the better defenders in the league. And same thing with Marcus Smart. I mean, you guys have great defenders, which is why your defensive rating is good. But I think possession and possession in, possession out. The defense overall with Joey Mads hasn't been as good. I mean, Donnie, you mentioned Chase Tatum as the MVP. I don't disagree. There's not really another guy that I would bring up. I think a lot of times people get lost when they think of MVP, who the best player in the league is that year. But it really should be who, if you take this person off the team, like who's the most valuable? If you take this person off the team, like how good would the team be? If you take Jason Tatum off the Boston Celtics, oh my gosh, you guys would be like the eight, nine. You guys would be lucky to be the eight or nine seed just by the, the amount of stuff that, Jason Tatum does scoring wise, attracting defenders, and then on the defensive side, and also leadership in general. Um, that- I mean, I'm, I'm all for Jason Tatum being the MVP, even though you know I don't like the Boston Celtics. Yeah. That MVP take is so interesting to me because I've been seeing this on whenever I watch ESPN, whatever channel I'm watching, it's always a debate. Okay, what does MVP really mean? Like, how are you talking about Jordan? Is it the best player in the league? If so, LeBron should have. X amount of MVPs for all those years he was great. Giannis should be getting the MVPs right now because he's the best player in the game. Does it mean that he's the most valuable to your team? If so, I don't know if Tatum gets that award. If that's the case, maybe, you know, maybe you could say Luca, who's also in the front runner for MVP because he's their whole offense. Same thing with well, I think, Jokers. yeah, so you bring up a good point because, you know, MVP most like how bad would your team be without you? But the question is like the 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 Mavericks are 500 so even with Luka they're not playing like really high level basketball so that's why I would pick Jason Tatum over over Luka I think Luka just by the sheer fact that the Mavericks don't have really much else other than him technically maybe the most valuable but if you're taking into account how good they are with him then I think Jason Tatum trumps him I, I think it's this I think it's the best player on one of the best teams unless there's someone else that's doing something historic, a.k.a. Russell Westbrook with triple-doubles, a.k.a. Um, Jokic the past two years, his PR and everything was off the charts. That That's really the only caveat in that case. Best player on one of the best teams. And you just have to be – I don't want to say popular. Like I don't want to say that's like in the discussion, but it kind of is. You know, popularity. I feel does. like you have to have a pinnacle year. Yeah. Like well, if you have a pinnacle year and you're like the best player, you're an all star, um, or you're a superstar, I should say, and you have a pinnacle year and you lead your team to do some things, like you exceed those expectations, then I think that's what an MVP entails. That's why people like Derek Rose won it. He was the best player on his team, which exceeded expectations. He exceeded expectations and he won. We saw that with uh I mean historic seasons are a bit different. But we saw that with Giannis maybe in 2019. I don't think many mm-hmm. people had the Bucks to be the, the number one seed, and they did just that. In 2021, Nikola Jokic, I don't think people had Denver being – they weren't the number one seed, but they were the number two seed, I believe. Denver? Um, in they 2021, not 2022. I don't think I don't so. Think I think they were – I don't think they've ever been the number fifth. one seed. I think they've been fifth or sixth yeah. of the year, actually. I'm oh, okay, right Never now. mind then. But yeah. never, nevertheless, my point still stands. Yeah. Well, I think the I think the Celtics. I think you you Celtics fans, especially Austin and and LG, you guys get so caught up in the, how the Celtics are supposed to be like amazing, 
And then, then when they lose three straight or they're coming through a tough stretch, you're like the world is falling whoa, when whoa. every team is going to go through that. Well, no, 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 Jordan. When we lost the first couple games, I was like, this is normal. Every team goes through a down, a down, you know, a, a down point in the season. You know, it's every team has its slumps. But the five of the last six and losing two straight to the lowly magic and then and then to lose a third straight at home like that's that's where I kind of draw the line and and to have booze raining down on you like Mike Gorman was like well that's the first time the season Joe Mazzula is experiencing booze as he should be it's like I I I mean as he should be they just got to double digit losses and we're almost at Christmas I know but trust me if 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 you're a good NBA franchise good fans if you're down 30 in the first half to any team, you should be booed. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with the Tatum stuff uh, with, with you guys, Sam, Jordan, Dahani. Um, and he's also taken a step up. He's more aggressive this year. He's going to the rack. He has, he has like, some thunderous dunks all the time. He had, he caught Neesmith, old friend Aaron Neesmith, yesterday, staring him down, mm. so – you know, he just he's got that eye of the tire in him this season, which I like to see. Tony, Tony the Tiger. Yes. Yeah. All right, for sure. And now I want to transition. You know, Christmas season's upon us. What's today? December twenty second. Three more days. We got two of these dudes in here, so got to do some Christmas shopping. I respect it though; it's never too late. But uh, I want to talk about <laughs> Christmas Day matchups. Before we get into the ones that we're most anticipating for this Christmas, let's take a trip back in time. Talk about the Christmas Day matchups that had us most excited, most memorable. Um, I'll just go first with this one. Um, I think the I don't want to say all the Golden State Cleveland matches, only the first one, Golden State Cleveland 2016, Kyrie Irving fadeaway to beat the buzzer. That entire game was just so hyped up, so anticipated. You know, Golden State coming off the title. You see Cleveland now they're fully loaded, now fully healthy. It's like, okay. It's Christmas time. This is the first matchup that they're having all year. Let's see what LeBron and company can do. I remember Richard Jefferson had like I think he had two poster dunks that game. Oh yeah, which is he insane. Did. It was one over Clay. That game, I remember watching that game. I like that game brings back very bad memories. Um, <laughs> yeah, and the the no call at the end was one of the worst no calls I think I've ever seen on a basketball court. I don't I, know if you remember that, but Katie, I think I know what you're talking about. Was it Iguodala? That... He had the ball. The Warriors had one more chance to put up to tie the game. KD had the ball from beyond the arc, and some Cleveland player basically tackled him. They didn't call a foul. Game over. Well, I think that's a that's 2017. Well, the the next Christmas game we're talking about. This was 2016. This is the year that Cleveland. I, I believe the the Warriors and Cavs played in three Christmas matchups. And Cleveland Warriors won two of them. Cleveland yeah, won the yeah, one in yeah, between. You're right. The one in between. Yeah. I was gonna say also that's a, that for an NBA fan, that's gotta be one of the more memorable ones. Yeah, definitely. That that's my pick. Other than other than that one, I don't necessarily have a memorable Christmas matchup, but I have that Christmas commercial where they're doing the jingle bells. That that, uh, that is the most iconic it. thing I've ever seen. That that commercial, I watch it every time and I'm just like, oh my god, that's so cool. Can we talk about uh, another one? Go for it, Sam. Go for it. Go for it. How about how about this one? Um, when uh, this back in 2018, Celtics 76ers, the overtime thriller, where Kyrie went off in overtime for you guys. Yeah. 
Yeah. Austin erased the Kyrie memories from his brain. I was about to say, a good Kyrie moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, we because I was going back through, we're three and three in our last six Christmas Day bad chips. And, um, oh, yes, I remember this one. Kyrie had 40. Yeah, I remember this one. Yeah, I was going to say that was a very fun one to watch. Um, I think you guys have erased the Kyrie era. I know Austin has that Kyrie jersey somewhere in his closet <laughs> waiting for it to be burned. Austin bought a Kyrie jersey? Oh, yeah. He owns a Kyrie jersey. I did. I definitely, I, I definitely have a, a Kyrie, like, Boston shirt. I definitely have that in Boston, my Austin, you need to bring that back to school. I never knew you had a Kyrie jersey. It's, uh, it, it was one of those cool ones, too. I think one of those city edition. I think it's in okay. my room in, like, my pile of clothes to be donated at some point. <laughs> Austin, um, the only reason I know I, I know you have that is I saw a TikTok of you wearing that jersey. Nope. There is a TikTok that doesn't exist where it's on. <laughs> um, I'll bring up a moment. Um, Wasn't it 2013 LeBron's heat at Kobe's Lakers when he weighed off the backboard to LeBron and the crowd went, Ooh, when he dunked it with the left hand. Um, that was like an early memorable moment. And then 2016, I think the noon game before that Kyrie over Clay shot, Marcus Smart right there hitting the dagger at Madison Square Garden as the Celtics won 119 to 114 against the Knickerbockers. The Knickerbockers. No. The Knicks always have the noon game every year without fail. The, Net, the Knicks always have the noon game. The Nets haven't played enough on uh, Christmas Day consistently where I would remember a specific game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but looking at this year's slate, I mean, Golden State and Memphis was supposed to be like – That was supposed to be the game. game. That was supposed to be – That's not, that's not going to be as fun, be. especially with no play because Clay was the guy in the, uh, in the post-game presser after the finals who was trash-talking Jaron Jackson. And I think that started a lot of off-season beef. I think it's it's so unfortunate that he's going to be hurt. And that just, as a Warriors fan, it just makes me, I mean, I'll probably watch it, but it just doesn't make me excited anymore. It's just like, I mean, it's, just an, it's just another game. You look at the 5 p.m. time slot, uh, that's obviously now the, yeah. the game to watch, Boston-Milwaukee. Um, Middleton's I mean, healthy now. Middleton's healthy. This is, of course, it's a regular season game, but a lot of fans were saying if Middleton was healthy, Giannis and company would have beat the Celtics in that series. Might not have even went That's to the garden. Is that the garden? Yes, it is. You know, uh, I'm a big Chris Middleton guy. Everybody knows this. Chris Middleton's one of my favorite players. Dahani, uh, come on. He, he <laughs> is. He's smooth. He he's one of the best number twos in the league. I, I don't think it gets much better. And like you talk about sure, Jalen Brown. You want to listen right now. Jalen Brown, Paul George. Number, one of the best number twos? Number two, like second guy on, on championship team. Uh, Kyrie is number two. Um, Paul George, Clay Paul Wiggins, George. I guess. I don't know whatever you want. You want well, to put more healthy. Wiggins, I'd say. Austin. I don't know about that. A, I don't. I don't know if I'm bad. taking. I don't know if I'm taking Clay or Wiggins over Chris Middleton. I was about to say Anthony Davis, I'll, and I was like, eh. <laughs> the Lakers aren't a championship team. Let's be real. I don't think anyone's talking about that. I'm just saying number two. Yes, yeah, second guy, second guys on the team. Chris Middleton's up there. Uh, yeah, um, I, I he, Tyrese Maxey, I guess, would be more of a number two on Philly, in my opinion, when it comes to scoring. And I'm not taking him over Chris Middleton. Yeah, I think that's a really good, really good thing right there for a championship team. Now, I think there'll be 
I think one day when Cle- uh, we talked about Cleveland, when Cleveland's competing for a championship, I think then uh, Darius Garland will enter that conversation. But who will be the third best player in his team? On who? You think Mobley over him? Oh, yeah, for sure. Mobley has the potential, yeah. Well, then we'll go Mobley. But, yeah, it, um, whoever yeah, whoever that number two is, I think, will be in that conversation. I think yeah. also if you look at that, that, if you look at that 1030 time slide, you got Denver against, you know, Dahani's favorite team in Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> that, that can be a really good overtime game. That can go overtime. That, could, that can go down. That's one of those games where in the East Coast, it's like, you know, you finish Nobody's watching. watching. Well, nobody's watching, but if you're up and you're like, oh, it's you know, actually a decent game, you watch the first half and then you fall asleep. Exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. I think unless you're like betting on the game, it's like, oh, the mountain time game. Okay, what are we doing here? <laughs> the boat. The best game I'm looking forward to on Christmas Day. Broncos, Rams, Brett Rippin versus Baker Mayfield. Hey. Ooh. Hey, watch that! Watch that game get more views than the NBA games. Obviously, I think the NBA games are deserving of more, but the NFL—it's—it's. It, I'm I'm kind of curious to see how the. I think that's one thing to keep an eye on. How does the NBA go forward with their Christmas Day games now? Now that the NFL last year wow. dominated the NBA with their ratings, uh, yeah. I think the, the NBA is going to win no matter what. Yeah, that's Bottom just how it is. is. But Christmas days, like Fair enough. ever since what, like I want to say, like 2004, that was like the first, like really, like big one where like the fans anticipated stars it was kobe and then shaq coming back to la that was like the first kobe one versus shaq yeah that yeah, was, was like, very okay now this is what we have to watch and then you know nfl is just it's one of the biggest monopolies of sports everything everybody's gonna watch the nfl obviously but <laughs> i think everybody maybe one nba game people will tune into maybe catch a little bit of it depending on who your team is I, but, I was I did not know that almost all the games this week for the NFL were on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, I, I was looking at the schedule to see how it worked. I was, and then I'm looking at them like, what the? Wow, I did not know. The that. only good Sunday game, the only good Christmas Day game for the NFL was Packers Dolphins. So I still think yeah. the, the NBA will will do pretty well, especially of course that I assume it's on ABC that five o'clock game. But yeah, no. No, yeah. East Coast, no East Coaster is going to watch the Rams, the Rams Broncos instead of the Bucks Celtics. Anybody going to watch the Rams and and Broncos? No, what's the other, What's the other NFL game? Are they doing two on Christmas or just one? Three. Just three. They're doing the the Dolphins Green Bay one o'clock, Rams Broncos four thirty, and then the Cardinals Buccaneers eight twenty. Oh, what a, yeah. that, sorry. That's that's got to be one of the worst slates. Um, for a. A week that was supposed to be prime. Trace McSorley debut. Trace McSorley all the time. (laughs) (laughs) That's not even close to how the song goes. Whatever. Before we get out of here, I just want to make a quick note to the NBA. NBA, if you're listening, bring back Christmas jerseys. I don't know why doing Christmas jerseys. I think it was 2018, 2019. I don't know when they did it. Whenever I played NBA 2K, I would love to wear the Christmas jerseys once they release it. Where did they go? Like, what did it just run out of run out of the designs? Like, what happened? I think it. I, I think it's something that happened with because you know when it happened, they stopped doing it when Nike took over the jerseys. Is that when it us? Which is dumb. That's when it happened. The more those jerseys get bought the most. Like alternate cool jerseys get bought the most. Oh, like yeah. that jersey that Marcus Smart's wearing is an alternate jersey. That's not the regular Boston jersey. Yeah. Those get bought more than just the regular Celtics jersey. 
Right. Yep. I mean, I have a BKLN Kevin Durant jersey. I have a, I have a, the only regular Brooklyn Nets jersey I have is a Karis LeVert one. Like that, like that's <laughs> regular. Like other than that, I mean, City Edition, the Retros, those are all way nicer than the regular ones. I'm trying to remember what year it was. They had one, they had like the sleeve jerseys. That was, that was interesting. I liked them. A, a lot of people kind of hated those. I kind of like those imagine, Christmas sleeve jerseys were I terrible. Imagine, I can imagine. I like them. Terrible. I don't know. I don't know what it was. No. I thought the Christmas sleeve awful. ones were terrible, but the other sleeves, the sleeves that they do sometimes, um, who had, I, I know the Lakers had a good one and, and the black, any team that had did like black sleeve jerseys, all black uniforms. I loved a lot. I know the Lakers, Timberwolves did them. Um, other teams did them. I think Brooklyn, Brooklyn did them. Denver had a really nice one uh, the last year they did it. Um, but yeah, the Nets did the, the all black back in there. They're, they're in Brooklyn, they're in the uh, the black and white. The only time they ever actually go color is when they go with the retros. Yeah, Sam's the uh, the the jersey expert. He's got it's the jersey and the um, you've got all the um, like who's televising game stuff always locked up, ready to go. You got to know that, man. If you want to be in this industry, if you want to be a good podcaster, you got to tell them, tell the viewer where the game's at. You're right. And Sam, you were also right about the jerseys. Once NBA switched from Adidas to Nike, that was it for the NBA jersey. So good eye on that one. But I don't care. We got to bring back um, Christmas jerseys. We need to start a petition. Something has happened because. Come on, Phil Knight. Yeah, Phil Knight, the whole crew with Nike. Got to do something. Come on, man. You got rid of Kyrie. Come on now. Get it together, guys. <laughs> Oregon football just got a bunch of recruits yesterday. Like, I'm sure Phil Knight's swimming with even more money coming in. Like, fix the NBA stuff, man. Please and thank you. But, guys, thank you so much for joining me today. This episode of the From Downtown Podcast, the Christmas special. And guys, I appreciate you guys for stopping in. You guys want to plug anything, share anything you got going on, any socials, any projects, lay it on me. Yeah, my Twitter at the underscore Sam Corcoran. Make sure to follow me there. Posting a lot of stuff with all these guys. Dahani, hopefully I'm getting more stuff with you. Now you being back at Syracuse, Austin, yeah. Jordan. Been posting a lot about you guys, so that's always great. But got a lot of stuff there, so make sure to follow me there. And Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah for Jordan and anyone else celebrating as well. But have a happy holidays. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I just got my Twitter at jleonard1013. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, hit me up on Facebook. <laughs> Stop <laughs> it, Austin. One guy. Austin, where's my uh, friend that guy. You that I'm guy. For it. <laughs> uh, Twitter, yeah, at Austin underscore Barrick. And, uh, and, yeah, happy holidays to everyone listening and everyone here, you guys. So, yeah, Donnie, thanks for having us on. Oh, yeah, of course. And, uh, I'll be joining you guys as the 89 next semester. That That's in the book. So, you know, hey, make some Z stuff happen. But once once again, thank you guys so much. Happy holidays, all that good stuff. Till next time, guys. Take care.